What is God's goal for you and I as saints? We have the answer for you next on Truth For Today. You ever wonder what God has in mind for you? What his goals for you are? Well, that's exactly what we're looking at in our series, God's Design for Life. Hi, and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Please join us today as we continue our series, God's Design for Life. And then tomorrow evening, join us in person. You are our guest of honor. Free food, great fellowship. Ron Walters is our special guest speaker, and of course you is our guest of honor. It's our Truth For Today listener celebration. A lot of wonderful testimonies, just good fellowship around what God has done over the years using Truth For Today. Won't you join us tomorrow evening, 4.30 to 7.30 at Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. We've got more at the close of our program, but for now, Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians 4. That's where we are in our study. And uh, let us pick up verse 7 as we look at the six goals Christ has for his church in this section. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors, and we understand it, pastors hyphen teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let me just uh, recapsulize the first three chapters briefly to give you a sense of what's going on in this book. For three chapters, God has been telling us what he did for us in salvation. That when God saved you, he forgave you, he redeemed you, He tells you you were chosen before the foundation of the world. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, He has taken Jew and Gentile and formed a new humanity out of them in chapter 3. He has by grace forgiven us, uh, bestowed upon us uh, every spiritual blessing. 
And over and over again in those three chapters, he's telling you what God did for you when he saved you. He did it all for you. Now, the book swings in chapter four through the conclusion of the book on what God wants to do through you and what God wants to do with you. It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be functional. It's another thing to be doing what the one who would die for you wants you to do. It's his church. He went at great expense to make us a part of it. He died for us. The spirit convicted us, wooed us to himself. All these marvelous, marvelous truths of our salvation that he seems to just pile up on one great truth after another in the first three chapters. If you can't get happy in the first three chapters of uh, Ephesians, you either don't understand what you're reading or maybe you're not saved. I mean, that's where you want to stay. This is true of me. I'm in Christ. I have all these spiritual blessings. Now we move over to chapter four. And you say, boy, now he's picking on us. Now he's after us. He's spent through chapters, three chapters, telling you what I've done for you that I might equip you, give you all that's necessary, the Holy Spirit's in you, the power that raised Christ from the dead is in you, uh, Christ is in you. My, these are not inadequate people by chapter four. They're people empowered by the power of a resurrected Christ. They're people that have been saved for a purpose, people that have preordained good works that God wants to accomplish through them. So now he starts laying out, this is what I saved you to function like. Now I pick up just six things in this context for sure. It's not everything Christ wants for his church, but I see six things. And we begin this last time. So I'll pick up at verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. Let me go back to the first three things. He wants the saints equipped or this word prepared in the NIV. He wants every saint equipped, that is, made functional in the body, doing their part. Now he goes on to say, he wants them not only to be functional, but that function is described by they'll be in the immediate context doing two things. An equipped saint, what do they look like? Immediately, they're engaged in service for the Lord. Immediately, they become people who can edify or build up the body of Christ. They're not just takers. They're not just spectators. They're contributors to the building up of the body of Christ to grow into maturity and to grow into what Christ wants it to look like and act like. So we're equipped by these gifted men, equipped to do what? To be involved and engaged in service and in the kind of service that builds up the body of Christ. He goes on to say that they will come to uh, 
realize the unity of the faith. And I call this being enlightened in the faith. And I understand this faith to be the body of truth that all true believers rest their faith and base their practice upon. I take it to be not their personal faith here, but the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. The gospel as revealed in the word of God. That you come to understand what the great truths that bind the believing throughout the world, what binds us together in one faith. And it's revealed in the scriptures, revealed in the gospel, in this revelation. So he says, you become people that will reach to this unity of the faith. You start discovering what makes Jew and Gentile one, what makes all believers have something in common. You all of a sudden begin to understand the seven unities he has described in the first six verses. You grow up. You don't sit in the fog. Your mind becomes enlightened as to what the faith is all about. Instead of just church music, church buildings, uh, long sermons, and burnt roast, you start finding out what the church is really about. You discover the faith. And some of you have never discovered it. You've been saved, but you've not discovered the faith. And if you were to dress according to your spiritual age, we'd have you in the nursery with a rattler because you have not grown up to understand what the faith looks like or base anything on scripture. You just, as though there was none. Then he said, when you've been enlightened, going right on to the next point, he makes the point you'll be established, established in the truth. And he uses all these contrasts from infancy to maturity, from falsehood to truth, from cunningness of false teachers to the truth in love. And he'll say the true believer puts down roots, roots in Christ. Or if you like to think of anchors that hold in the storm when everything is blowing with new age and new this and new that, which is usually old lies repackaged. There is nothing new under the sun, Solomon said. And you become a believer that is not always on another uh, rabbit's trail. And Oh, I, I wonder if this could be so, or I wonder if that, that you come to have uh, roots in Christ, as Colossians says, rooted and grounded in the truth. You're established so that the winds aren't moving you and you're not being tricked because you've quit being gullible because you put down roots in the word of God. And then he says, you'll be a people as he develops this theme that will be endeavoring to grow in cooperation with Christ. Christ is growing the church, but he's also growing it with people who are endeavoring to grow up themselves, a divine human partnership. I make every effort to grow. Do like 2 Peter 1, I'm endeavoring to add to my faith those characteristics God wants, while at the same time, God himself is building up the church and we become these divine uh, human partners in this growth process. Now, I thought what we would do, and I don't want you to be overloaded, but you will be. And I just heard a lecture on homiletics that says they only get one idea. So as soon as you get the first point, I guess go to sleep. 
but I want to unload this before vacation because I want to know that you're well fed. Maybe stuffed. Uh, what does an equipped saint look like and how do they get there? And I want to do that with each of the E's. Now, Bill has put all this data under there that I, if you were just kind of close out, if you can't keep up with it, because you, you probably can't follow it to it. Please don't try to take notes. Don't do it. Just obey me one time. Don't take notes. <laughs> let's, uh, let's just track it out. What, let's just say, if I'm supposed to be this, what would I look like if I were? And this is what we would just say. Uh, in the immediate context, an equipped saint, the telltale sign right there in the verse, in verse 12, know this, an equipped saint is always known by being a serving saint and a saint that is edifying the body. That, that, that is absolute. It's right there in the verse. Now, I'm going to load it up with other things, but if you forget anything else, it says, I know that I'm equipped when I quit wanting to be served and I become a servant. When I quit having to always receive and I can now give, you know that you are growing into being an equipped saint and, and when your contribution to the body of Christ builds it up instead of tears it down. That you're not a discouragement to the body, you're not an obstacle to the body, you're not a disease in the body, you are a contributor to building it up to the design likeness of Christ because you are serving and you have an edifying influence on the body of Christ. What kind of influence are you having on the body of Christ? And where are you serving? Now, some I heard, I've heard rumblings of those who said, oh man, we got a spanking. You got it coming if you're not equipped. And the head of the church writes the letters. I just deliver the mail. When you get a bill from Sears, don't go out and beat up the mailman. <laughs> Call Sears and pay them. You know why they stoned the prophets. And all the time they're saying, but God said it. Yeah, but he said it through you and I can choke you. So don't get mad at me. You'll still be carnal. Go to God, get mad. And say, why am I in this condition? I want to function like you saved me to function. And I'm not going to let some uh, preacher intimidate me. And let me just get you mad enough to grow and I'll be glad, glad to God. Or if I can whet your appetite that there's something more to church than setting and hearing sermons and never being a part of the game. God wants you to be a part of the body. Not some part that just atrophies and the blood's cut off and we might as well cut it off because it contributes nothing to the body. He wants no dead members in the body. Even the saints who have died aren't dead, are they? They're more alive than ever. They're alive in the third heaven. He wants us to function here. So let's go on this journey. I put down what an equipped saint would look like. They would serve. Uh, they would edify. And uh, I just make a plug for the scriptures. Uh, the way we edify saints is usually by means of scriptural mandate, scriptural wisdom, input, uh, that they are a person that uh, 
gets an appetite for the word that we're born again with. Peter says, as soon as you're born into the family of God, you're like a newborn baby that desires the sincere milk of the truth, right? And have you ever talked to someone that just got saved? And he said, how are you doing your Bible reading? He said, well, I read the New Testament in the last three days. He said, you did what? And you haven't read the New Testament in all your life? So, well, wait, 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 you need to slow down and be like the rest of us. No, 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 no. That's called first love, can't get enough, and just going back, and it's not hard. If you could read a Tom Clancy novel, you ought to be able to read the Bible. Man, I just uh, was with a friend of mine that showed me uh, a Hebrew scroll that was, uh, I believe it was 500 years old, that his wife bought in Jerusalem, and it simply had the book of Esther on it. And he takes it out of this uh, holder and this old document, and, and he just rolls it out for me. And, of course, it's in Hebrew. And, man, I thought, what a, I mean, it's only about that wide. You know what, if you put the book of Titus just on a scroll like that, it's only about three columns. You know, they're such small books. Get over being afraid of your Bible. It's smaller than most of the stuff you read. If you've got beyond Louis L'Amour. And I like Louis L'Amour. Um, I just put things down like this. They know how to use the scriptures. Jesus wept is not their favorite verse. They know how to apply the scriptures. They don't just know. It's a, I heard that. I heard that. They quit being hearers and start becoming doers. They... Uh, isn't it wonderful? I, I think God would rather you have an ounce of obedience than a ton of knowledge. I know some folks that whatever they know, I don't want to know because it hasn't done any good for them. They're just as arrogant and just as unteachable as you can get and they spout off what they say they know. And I said, well, it hasn't done much good for you, has it? You don't serve, you don't edify, and you're the church's number one critic. It obviously hasn't penetrated because you get rid of all that stuff when it really takes seed in the heart. Uh, there are people who uh, demonstrate love in tangible ways. An equipped believer is always a person free to love. That was the first commandment he gave us in John 13. He just started off in the upper room. By the way, you'll love one another just like I've loved you. You won't learn this after eight years of seminary. You'll learn this the moment you start growing. Well, I don't like people. I'm not friendly by nature. I thought you got a new nature. Well, that's just the way God made me. Don't blame that on God. He will make all of his children love one another, will he not? Do you know why people come to church? Probably friendliness in nurseries. Music. No, today it's music. And everybody's picking a church based on music. Forget about preaching. We've given up. It's a lost art. It's dead. Most folks are bored of the preaching time anyway. That is a fact. Because preachers are embalming the saints instead of enthusing them. <laughs> so if you want an embalmer, go find a church. Uh, and me, they just think I've got a hangover from my past. So that's okay. Uh, they go to church because they're friendly. Now let me ask you. If you took a friendly quotient... Will you be friendly when this service is dismissed? Are you say, I wish these people get out of the way. We've got a reservation at the restaurant at 1230 and get out of the way. 
and you got my parking place. And who said you could sit there? I gave more to the Touching the Future program than you. You don't even know what the program is. I know you didn't give. You don't even know what we're talking about. If you're unloving, don't tell me you're equipped. You're not even spiritual. You may not even be saved. God doesn't have any saved, unfriendly people, does he? God doesn't have any saved, unloving people, does he? Well, if they've lost their first love, yeah, they could be. If they're carnal at the point, they can't be walking in the fruit of the Spirit. So you can't be a rather grumpy, crotchety, mature saint. I was here when we wrote the church covenant. Move over, Junior. I've seen Moses. No, 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 no. An equipped saint does these basic things. They live a life of prayer. Does God have any equipped saints that are nervous wrecks because they've not learned to pray enough to take care of anxiety? We all have fear and anxiety. And if we don't use this matter of prayer, according to Philippians 4, 6, anxiety wins when we don't pray. But a saint, at least, that is being equipped is learning to cast off the anxieties that would just choke out the Word of God. So I'm assuming you're in that process. You're having a prayer life. You're in the Word. And then, let's just jump. How do you get there? Well, you need to be taught by gifted servants, because that's why Christ gave gifts, to equip His people. Not to beat them up or keep them confused, but to equip them, to help get them where they are functional. But you've got to show up and hear them. And just hearing them won't work because Hebrews says you can become affected where you're dull of hearing. And it means you're sluggish. There's no push in your hearing apparatus. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, I'm describing Melchizedek. I'm describing his priesthood. I'm describing. And then all of a sudden, as the writer writes, he just stops. He says, but you're not getting it, are you? You think you're standing before an audience. Don't you love Melchizedek? How do you spell it? He he, he picks that up. He said, you don't know what I'm saying, do you? I'm trying to contrast Melchizedek with Christ's high priesthood, with a Levitical priesthood, and it's magnificent when you see these three priesthoods in the Bible, that Christ is superior to Levi, superior to Melchizedek, it is magnificent what I want to tell you, but you don't get it because you don't have an ear to hear what God wants to teach you. I am convinced you'll get more out of the Word based on your spirituality than you will the pastor's. Pastor Phil Howard here in our series, God's Design for Life. Getting a clue, an understanding, an idea of just how much God really loves us and the design that he has for your life and mine. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. And as we conclude our time together today, we're mindful of the fact that there might be those of you who would enjoy hearing this program again. 
As always, we have copies available on CD. Simply call or write to us or stop by our website. You can reach us by phone at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or stop by our website, truthfortodayradio.org. As you contact us, please bear in mind that we do continue this radio broadcast here on this station through the generous support of Truth For Today sustainers, folks just like you. With your dollars, as you partner with us financially, we'll provide to you, as our way of saying thanks, a quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. It's all available for you as you partner with us financially. And speaking of, for the last 20 years, Truth For Today has been here on this radio station. It's our way of saying thank you for being a part of that ministry for the last 20 years. We would invite you to save the date and join us. June 4th, that's a Saturday, 4.30 to 7.30 here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules at the Family Life Center. It's a celebration of God's goodness to the Truth For Today ministry since 1997. I mean, that's, that's almost 20 years, right? What an amazing time we've had growing in grace. And we trust you've been blessed by this time together. If so, again, mark it on your calendar and plan on joining us. June 4th, 4.30 to 7.30 for Valley Bible Church's Family Life Center celebration of God's goodness to the Truth For Today ministry. For more information, give us a call. Our phone number, once again, is 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.